0: can help people create change to that undesired automatic problem before they've analyzed their way to a solution. All
1: hypnosis is self-hypnosis. When you do hypnosis, you know what's going on, you can stop at any time, you're in control.
2: Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your
0: host, Drew Tadia.
2: Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world, we certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming
0: up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Taddea.
1: So I'm a pediatric pulmonologist, take care of uh, children with lung problems. And uh, 25 years ago, I was treating a young man who was very allerg- allergic to milk products. Uh, he came in one day and he said, hey, when I've been uh, smelling cheeseburgers, I've been developing asthma attacks. I thought it was a rather strange symptom. Um, I thought maybe a milk molecule is wafting through the air affecting him, which cannot really happen in real life. Um, but he was very allergic to milk. He almost died twice from eating a milk product. So I said to him, can you imagine eating a cheeseburger, which is something you couldn't do in real life? He did that. Within seconds, he was having a major asthma attack. And I said to myself, oh no, he's going to stop breathing. So I said, stop it. And he did. I said, wait a minute. You imagine a cheeseburger and you develop an asthma attack? If you can imagine yourself into illness, can you imagine yourself out? And that was my rather dramatic introduction to hypnosis, because as it turned out, using your imagination is a way of doing hypnosis. And that's what I've got involved in. I, I learned about hypnosis. I learned about um, how it can help people feel better. Um, I found out over the subsequent years that I can help people not just with lung problems, but with stomach aches and headaches and anxiety and depression. And so now I do this full time.
0: I do really see us as conscious beings um, as a whole person. And So that's like mind and body, like very much in alignment with the ethos of your show. And um My background has really got a lot of twists and turns in it, but it's led me to the place where I feel like my soul's calling really is, is to serve people in altered states of consciousness primarily using, um, for sure, certain conscious techniques like coaching. But specifically, I love to help others using that non-ordinary state of consciousness that we know as trance or alpha brainwaves. So by utilizing imagery with folks, which is so natural, it's something that's a Occurring naturally and surfacing naturally in our dream state. As children, we just live in imagination. It's very, very essential to our natural skill set and capabilities. You can, um, I can, we can convert or transmute pain into a stronger foundation for ourselves. And so we can heal subconscious problems by working in the language of the subconscious which is imagery. And that's really how I like to describe my work in the simplest terms today. Is I help people access their own natural capabilities in order to make change happen way faster, easier and enjoyably.
1: 7 years ago I opened up a uh, private practice and I devote exclusively to working with uh, children uh, teaching them hypnosis and providing them with counseling for various different problems
2: wow okay so what is that like it seems like well maybe not extremes but you're more the medical world and then you move to how would you say more holistic that well of world?
1: i think this is still the medical world just a different focus of it um i believe actually i know that uh, psychology plays a big role in most everyone who has chronic illness And that's almost half the country. So if you have a chronic problem, your psychology is involved. Maybe you're anxious about it. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe it's affected your life and you're sad. And when you have psychology involved, it affects your symptoms. And when you learn to use hypnosis, when you learn how to control your psychology, then you can improve a great deal. And this is true for a majority of people, but they just don't know it. And I, I should interject right now. I use the word hypnosis. Sometimes that scares people. Hypnosis is not what you think it is. It's not magic. It's not somebody controlling your mind. It's not an evildoer doing things to you. All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. When you do hypnosis, you know what's going on. You can stop at any time. you're in control. And it's not sleep although you can use hypnosis to help you fall asleep if that's an issue you're working with. And finally, it's not unusual. We all do hypnosis all the time. For example, have you ever gone three miles down the road and said, how'd I get here? (laughs) That's hypnosis. Have you ever listened to boring podcasts? Not this one, of course. (laughs) Your mind starts to wander, you start start daydreaming, that's hypnosis. Hypnosis is a normal state of mind, but in this state of mind, you can accept suggestions and then modify your psychology and improve.
0: I don't think I've actually really shared this aspect of the the how. You know, I always tell the like, well, I was putting this front in front of the other and it just made sense. And then I stumbled into this. But I have suffered from really, really what I think a lot of people would consider to be debilitating anxiety and depression. But I have a, a kind of uncanny tolerance for pain. I have a real ability to be present with pain. And so through the years of my life and through my, my own journey and my own story, I was resting with a very high level of anxiety and what I now look back and know was pretty severe, severe depression um, with fairly consistent as the years progressed. um, It's personal, you know, but but I share it so openly because I think it's it's in service is I was certainly battling with suicidal thoughts like every day or other day but these were so normalized by me by my mental processes and I was so high functioning that I wasn't viewing it as critically as I should have and responding to it with like extreme urgency because I was functioning with it so well over so many years and there was a part of me which was probably the prideful part that, or, you know, the misinformed part that had somehow associated like taking medication as like giving my power away versus I I knew that for me, medication wasn't, I didn't feel was going to resolve the root cause of what I believed to be an emotional issue. And so I was resistant to that for a long time. And when I found hypnotherapy work, for myself as a client a couple of different times throughout my life eventually i approached it in such a systematic and methodical way that in very very short period of time i had completely i had really completely transformed the experience I was having on a daily basis. And it was then that I learned the absolute like, kind of mind-blowing power and speed that you can create change to a really long-term issue by working at the level of the problem. And that's what was so appealing to me. Now, fast forward to resolve the issue fully, I did need to go humble myself and take every mode of help that was available to me, including medication. So I don't want to in any way discourage anyone from accessing anything that could be of service to them. But um, that being said, I was just like mesmerized, no pun intended, (laughs) by the effectiveness of trance work. And so I eventually realized it was my calling.
1: And I think it's important when you're doing hypnosis for medical issues that you work with somebody who can treat the medical problem. So one of the rules is, the good rule of thumb is, if you have a medical problem, make sure whoever's doing hypnosis knows how to treat your problem even without using hypnosis. Because sometimes you need to have a combination of, let's say, medications and psychological work.
2: Okay, so in the ages from 21 and under, how are they um, receptive to this type of treatment?
1: So kids generally are more receptive to hypnosis than adults because they don't have all this preconceived notions that get in their way. They also tend to have simpler problems. But hypnosis has a very different face in younger children. So with a a three to five-year-olds, I do hypnosis by telling them stories and embedding metaphors into their stories. If I'm working with a teenager, I'll teach them what the adult version of hypnosis might be, which is a ritual to get into that state of mind where they can give themselves suggestions.
2: Okay, Uh, this is is so interesting. Okay, Tim, I got so many questions. Now tell me if you're, you're sitting across from a, a patient, you call them a patient or a client, patient?
1: I call them patients, I'm a doctor, but many psychologists who do hypnosis call them clients.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're sitting across from one of your patients and they would, and so let's just do a pretend scenario. They come in and they have an issue with, what might they have an issue with?
1: Um, stomachache.
2: Okay, so they come in, they have a stomachache, they sit down with you and you say to them.
1: I'll say to them, well, first of all, Do you know what percentage of kids who have stomach aches is a physical problem? And they'll say no. And I say 90%. 90% of stomach aches, they never find a physical issue, which means it's controlled in your mind. So now that you understand that, let me teach you how you can help yourself, control yourself better. And the first lesson I will teach you is about the power of words. And I have this little demonstration where I have the child stand up and extend out their arm and I tell them, don't let me press your arm down. And then I'll tell them, now say you're weak three times. They'll say they're weak, and when I press their arm down, it goes down easily. And I'll say, say you're strong three times. I press on their arm, and their arm remains strong. And then the surprising thing is they'll say I'm not weak three times, and guess what happens? They're still weak. Oh, surprising. You could check it out yourself. Okay. So I teach them the first lesson is the words you use affect you. And when you use a negative word, which as weak, the not does not cancel it out. So the first thing you want to do, first homework assignment is say things in a positive way. So rather than saying, I have a stomachache, say, I wish my stomach felt better. Rather than saying, I'm nervous about my test tomorrow, say, I want to be confident about my test tomorrow. And just by changing words, now this is the weakest tool I teach, but just by changing words... People sometimes improve a great deal. That's lesson number one.
0: How can I gauge what someone's skill, talent, level of certification is in this field? Because hypnotherapy, as well as other conscious coaching techniques and NLP, is, as you probably know, not a licensed profession. So it means there's not a licensing authority that is giving out you are a doctor and you are not a doctor. You are a hypnotherapist and you that doesn't exist for hypnotherapy. And I really love that about hypnotherapy because I considered imagery since it's so natural to us. I think of it like open source, like it's a natural operating system of your body. So I want that to remain in the hands of parents, in the hands of a friend, like we're using this automatically already. It's already what's creating the problem. So I think it's important that it's non-licensed, but it is difficult for people who it can be difficult for people who are trying to choose a practitioner to know how to distinguish between them since it's non-licensed. And for me, particularly, I um, went through a really, really rigorous it. Ultimately, I spent like 14 weeks in residence using for both hypnotherapy and nlp across years so 14 weeks in residence is like really intense in this field because you people can get certified for like 60 hours online so you can (laughs) see that there's a real spectrum of if you're talking about hypnotherapy
2: okay so let's get into some details of exactly what you do when someone comes to you with some issues what let's say, why did they come to you to begin with?
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of times people are coming to me because they're either anxious, down, or they already know that they that their self esteem could use some help. So I like to say I was recently dabbling with like I was going on a run and I the thought crossed my mind like I try not to dig into people's pain too much when I like for say market or share content because I don't I don't think it feels good to amplify pain to people. I want to amplify what's positive and good. Um, But I was I I turn phrases around all the time because my work circulates around words so much. And I thought it's it's always true to say your self-esteem could be better. And for most people, you'd get a head nod with that, right?
2: You know, I see it in myself, like anyone could use some encouragement in that regard, for sure.
0: Totally. And I feel like it's kind of like an absolute positive. Like, it's like, I feel the same way. I'm like, yourself, how much good can you take? Your self-esteem could always be better, even if it's phenomenal. So I feel like no matter where you are on a healing journey, that can ring true in a way that's also really empowering and uplifting. And so some people know when they come to me, they're like, yeah, my self-esteem is in the tubes right now or whatever that phrase is but you know at the end of the day whether it's anxiousness or whether it's actually depression or it's it seems more like a pure form or experience of poor self-esteem or lacking self self-worth or self-esteem these are the 3 areas where i really specialize it's probably because i have a ton of experience personally with each of those topics
2: so stomach issues is a big one also with adults digestion issues what are some of the other just give me a handful of other suggestions that are reasons why people come in with these types of issues
1: let, let me just step back and say i told you lesson number one lesson number two is actual hypnosis let me describe that to you a bit okay. so what other things it can work for thank you so um, the lesson number two, which is to do the hypnosis, is imagine yourself in a calm place. Imagine all of your senses there. What can you see, hear, smell, feel, and taste? And the reason you imagine all your senses, it involves your whole mind. So it becomes more real, and then you become more relaxed. And then I'll talk to the patients about relaxing slowly from head to toe. And finally, they learn an anchoring sign, a gesture that they make, like making a fist, crossing their fingers, and they tell themselves. Whenever I make my sign, it can become this relaxed even when I'm not doing hypnosis. This is what's called a post-hypnotic suggestion. So then their assignment is practice doing this hypnosis on your own every day. Relax yourself with your sign throughout the day. And in so doing, you'll become more relaxed. And many of the medical symptoms occur because you're stressed. So by relaxing, your medical symptoms improve, such as stomach aches. Other things that can improve is headaches. Chest pain, shortness of breath, uh, chronic pain from arthritis, lots of different applications.
2: Okay, so some things we often hear about is back pain. I'd imagine it'd be very similar.
1: Yes, back pain, many times they don't find a physical cause either. And by the way, even if there is a physical cause to your pain, let's say to your back pain, hypnosis can still help because the brain is the part of the body that interprets the pain. And by teaching your brain to interpret it differently, then you can feel better. For example, there's a whole field of hypnobirthing. Women who give childbirth using hypnosis and they'll tell you the discomfort was minimal or I hardly had any discomfort. And and I'm told childbirth is one of the most painful things that somebody can undergo.
0: What we first do is build the bridge of trust naturally and organically with each other. And um, this isn't something we can check off. So like from the first moment that you get to meet another person, that trust that you're building naturally is so important. The trust is like the bridge that the healing happens on. And so in my role, I am truly a facilitator of a conversation happening within the other person with themselves because inevitably somebody's like, I'm anxious, but maybe I don't know exactly why. A part of them knows. So we have to get that part of them speaking in a language that the person can understand or that person to be listening in the language of the problem. And that's where I see, like, the subconscious, the work is really, I facilitate their subconscious with their conscious to come closer together so that that conversation can be flowing naturally going forward. It's really kind of like reconnecting two parts of a person. And that's why I like to say that the work that we do is truly, in a way, self sustaining and truly permanent because once those parts are speaking, it self perpetuates. And that is one of the things that makes me so excited about doing this work with others because I truly believe believe that I'm I'm creating lasting good. It's not something that they got to keep coming back to the well for. Like, fix me, Mandy. That doesn't work like that. There's nothing broken.
2: Okay. So when you're working with different individuals, how are you able to connect that bridge or how are you able to connect the subconscious with what they're thinking on a regular basis
0: well with trust once 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 somebody understands that i understand the problem from their perspective because this is really about their values their experience not mine and not my projections onto it so i keep a really clean line there so i can truly facilitate what they see needs to happen and a lot of times people are kind of concerned they're like "Well, they come in and the sense is i don't know what the problem is but i assure them If you're getting anxious feelings, your body is communicating. Your body already knows what the problem is. That's a feedback loop from within your own body. Same for down feelings. There's a reason. We can be sure of it. Because your body doesn't automate anything that isn't seen as fit for survival. So everything that's happening automatically, including the feelings that we have, or even the spontaneous thoughts that emerge, they're all associated with survival. So how I help, once once we're aligned with what we're going to create together or what is needed, it's kind of like just... Listening in layers and the process by which we do that to listen and allow that problem to speak in a language that can be understood by the person is by relaxing the critical mind. Which a lot of people find really, they feel feel like, that's going to be hard for me. And I'm like, yeah, you think so. But this this method is easier than, than meditation. And it's one of the reasons, again, this is another reason why I'm so obsessed with this type of work. Because people find meditation hard. A lot of times it's one of my favorite questions to ask somebody it's like yeah because you're trying to do like the hardest thing with your mind right at the (laughs) get-go clear it and empty it like if you're anxious how easy is that going to be right it's like you're trying to get to the goal line before you've learned the basics of of the basic maneuvers and with relaxation of the critical mind ie using imagery to help people there's all this beautiful, kind of like a form of distraction that they can focus on while we are resting the critical mind on purpose.
1: If you imagine something, it affects your body. There have been some classic experiments. For example, let's say that you're allergic to a certain flower and it causes you to develop an itchy rash. If you're shown that flower in a in, encased in a glass vase and you can't even smell the flower... But you just see it, you'll develop an itchy rash just by seeing it. And, and the way this works is something called classical conditioning. Do you remember Dr. Pavlov and his dogs? Yeah. As I'll, I'll remind you, what happened was um, he would ring a bell and then he'd feed his dogs dinner. He'd ring a bell and feed them dinner. And before dogs eat, they salivate. So he'd ring a bell, they'd start to salivate because they knew dinner's coming, and then they'd get dinner. And then he rang the bell and didn't give him dinner, and they still salivated. So they, this was classical conditioning. They learned to associate bell with salivation. That's true in humans as well. So somebody's allergic to that flower, they know to associate flower, trouble breathing, flower, itchy rash. And that's what they do just by imagining it or seeing it without ever being exposed to it. That's how humans work too. And hypnosis can undo do that. First of all, within two or three sessions, you should see some results. OK, so if you don't see results, uh, something's not working right. Either you don't have good rapport, uh, the patient's not trying to help themselves, uh, you're just a bad fit. Um, or hypnosis is not the answer for that particular patient. Because everybody has some mind-body control. As long as you start using these tools, you're going to get see some benefit. In terms of resolution of symptoms or great improvement, it really varies regarding what the problem is. This morning, I saw a 12-year-old just before this show who came to me um, a month ago, with abdominal pain that he had for years, and within f- three weeks of applying hypnosis, it went away. That's pretty instant results. <laughs> um, if he ca- had come with a headache, that doesn't typically get better that fast. Headaches take months to get better. If he came to me with a phobia, phobias sometimes resolve in one session. Actually, they're one of the easiest things to get rid of, believe it or not. So it depends on what you're coming for, and and your therapist or your doctor should be able to tell you. Based on my experience, this is the kind of results you might expect, but of course people vary. Sometimes it takes a lot longer and sometimes shorter time.
2: So you said three weeks. How many sessions in
1: that three weeks span? just for example? Three sessions. Oh, so one session a week. Once once a week. Once a week. And how long are the sessions? Uh, 45 minutes. But actually hypnosis takes 10 minutes. We, a lot of the sessions just talking, how you're doing, what's going on. So it's the hypnosis itself. I remember early on, some uh, person sent me their their son to see me for hypnosis. And I took a whole history, and I did five, 10 minutes of hypnosis. And they refused to pay for the session because you said, you only did ten minutes of hypnosis. And, like, you're missing the point. So the prep work is, like, understanding, making sure you understand how hypnosis works, how you can use it for yourself. There's a lot of discussion. It's not the therapy isn't doing the hypnosis. That's just a small part of it.
0: Here's where I am I do the most good in the world. A lot of times the problems that I can help someone solve, they feel like they've either tried everything else and they've had varying levels of success or it feels like they don't even know who could help because they don't know what the problem is. And one of the things, I, the ways that I see people hold themselves back or hurt themselves and continue to harm themselves the most is waiting to get help after you've figured out what the reason is. I can help people create change to that undesired automatic problem before they've analyzed their way to a solution because it's not a, it's not an intellectual problem, it's a feeling problem. There are definitely patterns. And for starters, I think it can be really helpful to anyone listening who might be suffering from anxiety to have another lens on what anxiety really is. And then we can kind of like, I can share some of the patterns around that too, but anxiety is just like happiness, Kind of, it, it impels, uh, it compels people to interact more and create connection. Um, anger, anger helps somebody to energize themselves in order to prepare for something. And sadness calls someone to like kind of retreat within and be able to heal. Um, Every emotion has a reason for being as well as an intention behind it. And anxiety is kind of a funny one because it's the reason why people often don't know what's causing it is because anxiety speaks to a dissonance between two inner experiences or between the inner experience and the outer experience so if somebody is trying to hold two conflicting beliefs but they might not be aware that those two ideas compete with each other or don't um don't coexist very well that could be a cause of anxiety especially like a belief that that as an example i think one that's really kind of overused, but it just comes right to mind. If you believe that money inherently will make you a bad person because you've seen a lot of people misuse money or for the wrong reasons, et cetera, in your life, or you were modeled that, or you were actually instructed that by parents or something, but then you actually come into wealth that will make a person feel very uncomfortable who believes themselves to be a good person because now they are the wealthy person but they believe that a, that a wealthy person cannot actually be good or that that makes them actually could be suspect to having bad motives or something like that so there in there's an internal dissonance that's happening there that could cause anxiety and likewise if you know within at some level that a situation a job a partner isn't good for you but then you remain in that context over time anxiety will get louder and louder and louder because it's waiting for you to respond but it's speaking to you in the language of the body so you're like I don't know what this is about so all we got to do is create the pattern pathway for communication to happen and the problem resolves itself. The anxiety will go as soon as the reason for it is heard, understood, and acknowledged.
1: You have to find the root of
0: the issue. Exactly. And that's where I specialize, getting to the root cause of emotional problems.
1: When you interact with your inner self, you can get answers to, for example, why are you developing a stomach ache? Why are you stressed? What's stressful about life? Sometimes people are so stressed they hide the real reason from themselves. And uncovering it as part of the therapy that needs to take place
2: so can you can you get to the root of the issue without addressing the subconscious?
1: Um, well, sometimes people have insight uh, without addressing the subconscious but oftentimes in medical patients, well sometimes the stressor is the illness itself so if they have a a, a chronic illness like um, inflammatory bowel disease or, or cancer, that the illness itself is the stressor. It's not a mystery what's causing the stress. But in what we call psychosomatic illnesses, where the symptom is the main problem, and it's because of a psychological issue, oftentimes the issue is hidden. And the reason it's hidden or is because the, the patient can't handle it by thinking about the real issues, So they, instead, they develop physical symptoms. So instead of saying, I have a really bad boss, they say I have a pain in the neck. And oh, they don't realize yes. it's the boss.
2: Right. That's awesome. Okay. I, I get it. I'm with you there. So you could be developing, like, in, in your regular life, you could be developing through emotional issues, issues on your body that show up physically.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's classic. A child is bullied at school. It develops stomach aches, right? That's so common. People People sort of take it as a matter of fact but the way to help such a child is not only teach them to calm themselves but also what do you do with the bully how do you deal with that much of what we are comes filtered through our subconscious our our conscious mind is fairly limited the subconscious mind is has a vast array of information and by learning to tap into it you can really gratefully uh, really uh, greatly enhance what you're aware of and this is not just true for health for example if you're a writer you can become more creative if you're a musician you can uh, your subconscious give you music that you write down poets talk about channeling poetry i think that's channeled through the subconscious so by learning how to interact with your inner self you can better yourself in many ways any time your mind is involved and that's a lot of stuff <laughs> you can enhance by learning how to understand yourself better and i encourage people to think about how hypnosis can help in your life as i said if you have a chronic illness you can benefit if you're not improving with medical therapy then think about psychology and hypnosis can be a great tool for that <laughs>
2: All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body.